This is Lost in the Woods. Hope everyone's being healthy out there. I mean, staying healthy, staying quarantined, washing your hands, buying your toilet paper. You know what? I know know. that's not true. I know it's not. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you guys happened to see our Instagram post this week, but we had quite an exciting week. Yeah. I wanted to see all the police officers. (laughs) So I. Got up in the morning, we all got ready for school, I left to go to the gym, and... I wanted to sleep. Madison wanted to sleep. If she had gone to school like she was supposed to, none of this would have happened. Just keep that in mind. But I'm at the gym, I'm on the treadmill, Madison FaceTimes me, and I answer, and I'm like, Madison, what do you want? I'm at the gym. And she's like, Mom, there's somebody in the house. There was, I swear to God. (laughs) And I was like, okay, hang up the phone and call 911 immediately. Which I did. Which she did. Thanks for listening, Madison. So in the meantime, I run out of the gym, leaving my baby there. My friend's there too, don't worry. And my baby's not a baby, she's four. But I take off, I drive home, probably speeding just a little bit. It's fine. All the police officers were already on the way to our freaking house. It's fine. So when I pull into our neighborhood, I turn the corner to our house. There's three police cars there. There's a cop on the front door. There's one on each side of the house. They all have their guns out. The one at the front door is trying to get Madison out the door. Mm -hmm. So end stats, you guys. So by the time this was all said and done, which went across the air as a Berg in progress, by the way. Yeah. Which is a high priority call. So the end stats were about 12 officers. We had three different departments here. We had canine here. There was a drone on the way. (laughs) And when it was all said and done, they found nobody in the house. I cannot believe that I did that. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, We made some new friends. My theory, you guys, is that the True Crime Podcast is getting to her a little bit. (laughs) So yeah, we wanted to come on and first off, thank everybody for listening to our podcast last week. That's so exciting. We have 70 people that have listened to our podcast. 34 in Washington, 3 in Arizona, 1 in California, Connecticut, Iowa, Michigan, and Oregon. And then... You missed Florida. Oh, freak. One in Florida, too. (laughs) And then we have one in Canada from today. Thanks, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. And then 13 others. There's just a category of others. I don't know. We don't really know what others mean. It does have Australia and somewhere else on there that it doesn't have, like, actual data for. So it could be that, but we're not sure. But we're super stoked that that many people uh, downloaded. And wherever you listen to our podcast, our podcast also on Spotify and Podbean. Yep, so we're on Podbean and we're on Spotify now. So So if you're listening to one or the other, that would be so much easier. Yeah, switch on over. Yeah. (laughs) So we're pretty excited about that. Okay, so today we are going to talk about the story of the Pinnacle Lake murders. It's the story of Mary Cooper and Susan Stodden a mother and daughter who on July 11th, 2006, headed up on a hike together 
and their family never saw them again. Spoiler alert. Yep. Yeah. So this story obviously is a little more personal to Madison and I because not only is it a mother and daughter, but they're also hiking in Washington, which is where we live. We've actually been lost on this hike before. It's kind of terrifying a little bit. Mary Cooper was 56 years old. She had been married to her husband, David, for 28 years, and they had three daughters. She was an elementary school librarian, which makes me really sad, and she lived in the Seattle Green Lake area which I actually lived there as a kid. I went to Echo Lake Elementary. Kind of funny. It's in Green Lake area. She tended to her beautiful garden with regularity. She read uh, voraciously and listened religiously to national public radio. She had a love of nature that dated back to hiking as a child with her father. Susan was 27 years old. She was the oldest of the three girls. Joanna was 21 and Elisa was 24. She worked for a nonprofit organization teaching children about nature. So they both clearly loved to hike and loved the outdoors. Right, nature, hiking, and children. I mean, they're both yeah. teachers of sorts, yeah. She graduated from Western Washington University with a degree in environmental studies and was passionate in her field. She volunteered her time restoring streams, planting trees, and spotting birds. Whatever that means. Spotting birds? I don't know. It's like bird watching. Is that just what it is? I, I mean, do you document them? Like, what do I you do? Assume. Are you just out there with binoculars probably, and a floppy well, hat? Well, she probably like, does what Sarah birds? does. You know, she's more like botany, but yeah. But, but yeah, like she doc, they document like the plants and the flowers. Okay. And okay. Small life. <laughs> small <laughs> life. <laughs> she liked birds. She also hiked every opportunity that she had and she even spent two weeks backpacking the wonderland trail shortly before her death now that kind of bothers me because i literally just hiked the wonderland trail and it's a really intense hike it's almost 100 miles it goes around the entirety of mount rainier my pack on that was 34 pounds with my food and my tent and all of my gear so that's pretty extreme, 33,000 feet of elevation gain. So she was obviously an experienced hiker. Yeah, that's what even makes this more uncomfortable is that they were experienced. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they weren't amateurs out there just hiking on a whim. I mean, they actually knew what they were doing. Susan, her roommate, Kate, uh, she was actually invited to go on the hike with them that day but had decided to decline because she was working on her cover letter for a job application. So if she hadn't been busy that day, she would have been out there hiking the trail with them. It was a Tuesday morning when the mother and daughter duo left in the family vehicle, which was a 1997 Dodge Caravan. They decided to hike Pinnacle Lake, which is a 3.8 mile round trip. So it's a pretty short hike. Mm -hmm. um, it's only 12,000 feet of elevation. It's considered technically a moderate hike moderate. we would it would be easy for us but for an average hiker it's probably still moderate the highest point is 3800 feet so not too bad uh it's located on the east shoulder of mount pelchuk for those of you out there that haven't heard of pinnacle lake you might have heard of mount pelchuk it's a little bit yeah. bigger We've also hiked that multiple times. It's a great hike. So it's really, there's a lot of wood coverage. It can be a difficult trail to follow. I know back when this particular incident happened, it might not, the trail might not have been in 
as bad of shape. Well, because you have to walk through it like a landslide now. Right. And they have, like, markers, but they're, like, really shitty markers. Hey, I put some of those markers up. So if you hike Pinnacle Lake and you see the pink no, before, tape. No, before, before you put the pink tape up, like the first oh, time right. you went away. There were, there were, they weren't were like, really markers, like, yeah. It, it was difficult. So basically, if a trail has a landslide, at least in our area, a lot of times people will put sticks up that you're supposed to know just don't go. That Like it's like literally a stick laying on the path and it just means don't go this way. <laughs> So we definitely, when we got lost on Pinnacle Lake, we ended up following the wrong trail and we ended up super lost and it was very foggy and rainy. And we were being attacked by bugs. Like they're like not. There's a lot of, it's, a, it's kind like of a buggy Suicide hike. bombing into our eyes. It was, uh, it was pretty intense. I think we had all the kids that day. About a half mile in, you can access Bear Lake before heading to Pinnacle Lake. Yeah, so once you get up about, I I would say closer to the top, maybe the last half mile before you reach the lake, there's a lot of wild blueberries. So there's like open valley areas, and I always think it looks kind of like something from the Lord of the Rings. It's a really cool area, but that's where you find the blueberries. And twice, you guys, so I've hiked this hike five times. Two out of those five times, I found a mylar balloon at the top of Pinnacle Lake. One of them was floating in the air, just above the ground, with no string, and it was a silver happy birthday balloon. Creepy. Mm-hmm. So, not sure what that's doing there, but I'm assuming the balloon was lost and that that just happens to be where it ended up. And then the second time was a colorful confetti balloon, and it had been there for a little longer, and it was all the way flat and laying on the ground. But literally, I'm like walking on the trail through this valley and just floating on the ground without not touching the ground, but floating just above the ground is just a happy birthday balloon. Creepy. It was really foggy out too. It was always foggy on that. It was one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Ever. Suzanne and Mary had originally planned on hiking Pilchuck, but had changed their minds last minute, most likely due to the amount of snow that would have been at Pilchuck at the time. Right. So Mount Pilchuck is pretty high up there. It, it is. It's a lot higher up. It, the trail head starts a lot higher up And not as only well. that, but there's a lot of places on Pilchuck where it's very dangerous to hike in a lot of snow. Like a lot of rocks you got to walk across right. and stuff. Well, I've also heard that Mary didn't love hiking in the snow. Okay. So that could have played a role in them changing their minds at the last minute. But this makes it very unlikely that anyone would have known exactly where they were because that day. the husband even had the wrong trail. Right. He assumed that they were hiking Mount Pilchuck. Hiking Mount Pilchuck. Yep. The trailhead to Pinnacle Lake uh, only had a few cars in it that day. So Mary and Susan actually chatted with a couple around 10 a.m. near the trailhead. The couple actually headed up ahead of the mother and daughter. While hiking, the couple recalls hearing thunder during their hike. They were concerned about a storm rolling in. Okay, so maybe a a possibility that has been presented at this point is that the thunder that they thought they heard was actually gunshot. Yeah. Ugh. I can't imagine. We've actually heard gunshots while hiking before, but a lot of people do go out into the woods in where we live. I don't know about where you guys live. Where we live and they do target practice shooting. So a lot of times when we do hear shooting, it, it doesn't 
really concern us initially. Personally, well, if we were hiking and I heard gunshots, I probably wouldn't even think twice about it. Right, we would just assume that somebody was target practicing. Yeah. So after completing their climb, they headed back down the trail, the, the couple from the parking lot that heard the thunder. Mm-hmm. So after completing their hike, and I think I read somewhere that they went up to Pinnacle Lake and then they did a little side excursion. Because the, the hike up to Pinnacle Lake isn't that far, you guys. It doesn't take that long. On their way back down, which is about four and a half hours after speaking to Mary and Susan in the parking lot, they came across their bodies on the side of the trail. Which I really, I can't even imagine this, you guys. Like, I can't imagine coming across bodies on a trail that I'm hiking. You know, you're out enjoying nature. You're not really thinking that anything bad can happen. Yeah, not only that, they initially um, said they like they didn't realize that the bodies were the girls when they saw them. Right, which... So really, the only information that's been technically released right was that which is very very little officially the only thing that's been released by police is that they were shot in the head and that murder suicide has been ruled out in this case right with that said the two people that came upon them and didn't recognize them so to me that's concerning that makes me think that there was even a lot more trauma than the police are suggesting And maybe it's the initial shock that made them not realize that. One of the hikers from this couple reports that the hike down to the trailhead from this discovery was one of the scariest times of her life. And she admits that they were holding an ice axe at the ready just in case they were ambushed. Because think about it. They don't don't know. know what happened. Yeah, they don't know who did this. They didn't run into this person when they were coming down. So that would suggest that the person is in the direction that they're going or is just hiding in the woods somewhere. Scary. That's terrifying. That's super scary. Super terrifying, you guys. So terrifying. But we find out later that the two hikers to encounter them weren't the first to find their remains. A hiker on his way up to the top had encountered them and had actually taken Susan's hiking pole for protection because he was so terrified on his way down to go get help. Right, so he had to come back down because and, and drive a distance in order to get reception to call 911. Because there's no cell service at all up there. Zero cell service on Pinnacle Lake, yeah. But can you imagine the fear that you would feel coming across something like that and having no way to defend yourself? You know that, or you can assume, that whoever did this has a weapon and is dangerous and you're just out there on your own. Not only are you coming across two people who've been murdered, but you're coming across a horrific scene. In this case, remind you, still unsolved. They do not know who did this. Right, so the case is still unsolved, which means it's an open case, which is why there's not as much information about it. They just aren't willing to release it. They're still hoping to solve this case, and they're hoping that the information they have will help them do that someday. When detectives showed up that night, this breaks my heart, to notify David that his wife and daughter had been murdered, he was actually in the process of gathering his gear in order to go search for his family. He was headed out to the Mount Pilchuck trailhead. Because that's where he thought that they would be. 
Right. So last he knew they were headed to hike Mount Pilchuck. He also remembers at the time the police looked at his odometer. Because the husband is always suspect number one, right? Of course. Spouses are always the suspect. Always suspect number one. The FBI was aiding in the investigation since the death took place in a national forest. Which, if you know anything about that court system. Jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) Jurisdiction that FBI only gets involved if it's... Their territory. Yeah. Or, or a high high priority case. Yeah, but this is a national park. It's government property, so... Right, which I think the police were happy for that. Yeah. Well, they also had profilers involved. Yeah, so the FBI actually did provide a profiler to this case uh, to try to help solve it. They haven't released that profile or that information yeah. as of yet. But they did receive over 300 tips. Right, which is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of tips, which none of them panned out. Apparently. (sighs) So frustrating. I also heard that Snohomish County Search and Rescue, this isn't necessarily related to this case, but Snohomish County Search and Rescue has actually done experiments to test the sound range of gunshots in wooded areas like Pinnacle Lake. They found that the range was actually extremely short unless they could get the sound up above the tree line. Uh, Initially, I think the police were hoping that somebody else might have heard things on nearby trails or things like that. And I just don't think that that's the case. I think Mm -hmm. that the, the couple that heard the thunder is probably about as close as that sound range would have gone. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So we came across a post that the husband had made not long after the murder of his wife and daughter. Do you want to read some of that? Yeah, yeah. So basically he stated that someone didn't just jump out from behind a tree and shoot Mary and Susan. Rather, they were terrorized, assaulted, and shot in the head. He also said that this violates so much of who we are in civilized society that it needs a light beaming on it for a long time and over and over again. So basically he's saying that someone didn't just hide in the trees and... And shoot them. And, yeah. Right. So he's saying there's more to it than just like they were shot and then that's it. Yeah. There, there's more than that. Like, right. Right. There were actually reports of some hikers that felt watched and got creeped out while hiking Pinnacle Lake three days before the murder. And they actually turned back. Right. Which, which is crazy to me. I mean, we... We've been really creeped out on hikes before where it's made us question, like, should we continue going? Should we turn back? pick up the baby, put her, like, we hold her the whole time. Right. There was that one hike that uh, we were going through the, yeah, Iron Goat. Iron Goat, for those of you who don't know, is a creepy place. Like, it's a ghost town kind of thing. Like, you feel pretty eerie. Yeah, people say it's haunted. It's a a fun hike, but we... We were hiking through there uh, probably a couple years ago. Yeah. So I personally felt eerie the whole time just because I uh, believe in the spirit world, <laughs> unlike my mother. And um, But we were hiking through, and once we got deeper, we all started to get a super like uneasy feeling. Right. And it was all of us, too, which I don't, I don't get an easy very easily. Mm-hmm. Madison maybe does. Um, maybe a little bit more. And we were hiking in, like, a haunted ghost town hike so maybe we were on guard a little bit more but I told Madison I was like pick up the baby like everybody got behind me 
we continued for a little bit longer and I think it was probably like maybe 500 feet ahead we actually found a ton of bear activity like the trees were like freshly clawed and everything we're like this happened today for sure yeah and then when we got home later that day we actually read let's mention we did go all the way to the tunnel we didn't go to the ghost town but we went all the way to the tunnel we did go all the way to the tunnel yeah uh, but when we got home, we actually read that there had been bear sightings, uh, I think the day before, yeah. uh, two cubs and, uh, mom. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're just saying like, our we have our guts for a reason. Like trust your gut. Just like in the last one. Also trust your dog and trust your dog and trust your gut. Okay. So now we get into some theories. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, so one of the most popular theories out there is probably the random theory that these two women uh, met their unfortunate end because they randomly came across a person that wanted to do them harm. Yeah, they were just victims of opportunity. Which is so scary and so terrifying. So this is so scary. So scary. This is also the most popular theory with the police. They're, it's their official theory, really. Yeah. Uh, because they don't believe that anybody had a grudge against them. They don't believe that anybody knew exactly where they were going to be that day, which would have made it really hard for somebody to intentionally target them. Yeah. Right? There's also been some theories out there about it being a possible biker gang initiation. I think that sounds a little crazy. But I've seen that one out there. A stalker, which they found no evidence that anybody was stalking either of these women. Yeah. So I don't feel like that's very credible and either. Like, they also talked to that couple in the parking lot. So I feel like if a stalker was there, they would have, someone hopefully would have noticed. Would have seen them, for sure. One theory that I liked initially but have discounted now is the Israel Keys theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you guys don't know who Israel Keys is, he was a quite prolific, actually, serial killer who lived in Washington for a portion of his life. So he was here in Washington from... 2001 to 2007, I think. Yeah, 2001 to 2007. So that falls within our 2006 time frame. Yeah. He's most well-known probably... For killing Samantha Cohen, she was the barista in Alaska that was kidnapped right out of her espresso stand. There's video of this. It is horrifying. Terrifying. She, yeah, she tries to escape from him in the parking lot, like runs, and he catches her. Ugh. He, like, crawls in the window. It's it's so terrifying. I literally can't. But he ended up sending a ransom letter to her parents down the line with a picture of her holding a current newspaper and at this point she had already died and he sewed her eyes open so she would look alive in it horrific but he was known for he that's the case that he was actually arrested for Mm -hmm. he had said that he killed a lot of people some even here in washington and he was known for hiding these kill kits throughout the states so he would bury or hide these buckets or containers with things like weapons, cash, like whatever he might need. And the FBI actually ended up finding some of these kill kits. Oh, Right? So, But uh, they did do all of the mapping on his location, 
on where he was and they found that he could not have been responsible for this murder, which is good to know because he actually did kill himself in prison. So we have no idea how many people he has actually killed. So that theory falls done can't be the case, right? So then there's also the husband theory, which at this time he has been 100% ruled out. 100%. He, the police do not believe he had anything to do with this whatsoever. But David was not ruled out till 10 years after the murder. His first two polygraphs, which personal opinion polygraphs are absolutely bullshit. Polygraphs are not, okay, they're not admissible in court. They're not real. I'm sorry, but... No. Although, for most... This is crazy. So, polygraphs are not admissible in court. They have been proven to be wrong a lot, right? However, most police departments still require a polygraph. A pass of a polygraph in order to get hired on. So, I find that very interesting that our court system does not have faith in them, yet... Our police officers take them. Right. I feel like that I could make myself so unsure about my own name that I could get caught lying about it. Madison, I feel like you could do that too. I could definitely do that. <laughs> I could literally fail an entire polygraph while telling the truth. Or or by not understanding the question or something, I'm sure. What if you take a polygraph and you're super drunk and you don't understand much? Like, Does it just come up as you're lying about everything? I, I don't know. I mean, you'd be probably less stressed out if you were drunk. So Yeah, but you wouldn't. If you were, like, I'm talking, like, super drunk, like, don't know your name, kind of, like, you're drunk. I've never been drunk enough that I didn't know my name. Have you been drunk enough that you didn't know your name? Mom, remember when you picked us up from Maddie's? <laughs> I was on, I, I had to be carried into Maddie's house. Oh, yeah. Don't, you guys, don't, don't drink so much that you don't remember your name. I don't um, know if I didn't remember my name, but. I just think you weren't conscious enough to give your name. No, I wasn't even conscious enough to say yes or no. <laughs> Don't drink that much, you guys. Um, But yeah, so I find that kind of interesting that he did... So two his first two polygraphs did come back inconclusive. And 10 years after the fact, they wanted him to take another one. And he really didn't want to. He's like, you know what? I'm kind of over this. I'm tired of you guys being suspicious of me. And he says that they basically told him they were not going to investigate any other avenues until he took another polygraph. So he did. And he passed. So figure that one out. So two are inconclusive, and then he passes 10 years later. So super reliable, guys, because it's not like... Like, he gave the same... It was the same questions, the same information. So either he was lying or he wasn't. Or he was just in trauma from his, his daughter and his wife being killed. Okay, so that's another thing, right? Like... Like, you just find out that your family has literally been murdered in the woods. And your life is never going to be the same again. You're never going to see these people. Like, the amount of the amount of emotional distress that oh, you're I can't in that imagine. situation. Like, no wonder his polygraphs come back. Which is why polygraphs are bullshit. Because, like, if you're in stress, like, there's no way that you can even have a reliable test off of, like, your heart rate and stuff. Yeah, like, I, like, I totally agree. I totally agree. By the way, I'm going to have to, like, edit out, like, half of Madison's curse words. I have a problem. I, 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 really, edited. <laughs> I really blame you guys. Like, I really... Okay, I, I probably am to blame for Madison uh, a little bit. And don't judge me because my daughter cusses. There are worse things, you guys, okay? I'm an adult. I can do whatever She I is technically an adult, although she's been cussing long before she was an adult. But on our last one, I tried to edit out 
the majority of our cuss words because we don't, we're not trying to offend anybody and we know that that does offend some people and we're sorry, but we're kind of not as um, well. I'm not worried about it. Well, Madi- um, Madison's not sorry at all. I'm not sorry at There is a similar case that has been linked to this one in theory multiple times. On July 1st, 2005, a man and woman were shot and killed near a Forest Service road. Uh, Most reports say that they were in or near a campground or a makeshift campground. So it looked like they were out camping. Um, It was Stephen Haugen, I think it's pronounced, and his girlfriend, Jeanette Bowman. They were found in the Willamette National Forest. They were also hiking with your their dog, you guys. His name was Caesar, and he was also killed. Why are people killed with Why? dogs? Why? I know. Just let it run off into the woods and try to survive on its own. Well, I mean, the theory on this one is that the dog, they think the dog was trying to attack the, the killer. Well, that makes sense. It's so sad, though. So... If you guys don't know where Willamette is, it's in Oregon, which is quite a drive from where, I would say, what, five four. hours? To get to Portland, Oregon, is four hours. Okay, so four four hours. I'm not sure where exactly Willamette falls in that, but um, we're looking at a pretty long drive. So unless, it, it doesn't sound like the police are connecting these, so I'm assuming the guns do not match. Yeah. Right? So we're not really sure, but there are similarities to it. And maybe we'll do that case in another episode. But there are similarities, so I can see how people might bridge the two cases. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Another thing that we found kind of interesting that we forgot to mention earlier was that their backpacks appeared to be untouched. Yeah. So whatever happened up there, it does not appear that somebody went through their things or took anything from their backpacks. More than 1,500 people attended the girls' memorial service. Their ashes were spread on Mount Kilimanjaro in the ocean and the garden at home that Mary loved so much. Three days after the murders, David and his two remaining daughters did decide to go for a hike. They went to Boardman Lake, which is not far from Pinnacle Lake, actually. It's pretty close. And I think... Some people have mentioned that they're surprised that they did this, but I think that's what I would have to do in this situation. Yeah. I mean, when I crashed my motorcycle, the second I could walk again, which took a little while, the second I could walk again, I got back on my motorcycle and I went for a ride and I was terrified, but I knew if I didn't do it immediately, if I didn't do it right away, I would not want to do it again ever. And not only that, but Mary and Susan loved to hike, so... And it was something they had done as a family. They did it. They went hiking with their girls when they were little and camping up in this area. Like, this was something that they did as a family. And maybe this was a way for them to feel closer. And in an interview, after 10 years, David still hoped to get his wife's wedding ring back. Oh, I hope he got it back. It's been 13 and a half years now. Yeah. Oh so heartbreaking and after all this time he still hikes up the two miles to where his wife and daughter were found yeah we actually when we've done this hike we've seen the sign it's a big wood sign it's up in the trees where they were found and it says in memory of mary cooper and Susanna stodden rest in peace 71106 and it has a rose and what looks like branches carved into it And we'll actually, we'll post a picture of this on our Instagram. 
And we'll also post our pictures from when we hiked it so you guys can see the top of the hike with the snow uh, and all of that as well. Yeah. David occasionally takes out ads in the newspaper asking for clues and information, and he hears out every single one of them. Guys, if I'm honest, like, this case hasn't gotten enough attention at all. Well, not only that, but it's been 13 years. I feel like there is no way that somebody out there doesn't know something about this case. I mean, for somebody who committed this or know somebody that did commit it to have not heard something in all of this time. Like, if you know something about this case, if you have heard anything about this case, if you happen to be in the area on the day that this happened and you heard something, you saw something, maybe you didn't think it was important at the time, but you've got to come forward. If, if somebody has told you something, if you know something, just come forward. These women deserve justice. Even if you don't think it's anything, like it's worth saying something about it because not only do the girls deserve justice, but David and his family deserve this. Like they deserve closure. the closure. Absolutely. So if anyone out there has any information whatsoever, the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office has a tip line. It's 425-388-3845 or you can contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS which is T-I-P-S. Please, if you know something in this case, come forward, guys. It's It's been long enough. Long enough. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, come follow us on Instagram at Lost in the Woods Podcast. Yep. Like tell us your on friends. Facebook. Yeah, tell your friends. We're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify and Podbean. So you can tune in and listen to us there. And tell your friends. And yep. let us know what you thought. Seriously. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.